Church, Andover Campus, in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Um, let me tell you a little bit about myself. One thing to know is that I am a hillbilly, okay? I am a proud hillbilly. I am a proud Appalachian. Uh, I grew up in Berea, uh, not far from here, so really the foothills of the mountains but my extended family and my parents' hometown is in the Floyd County, Eastern Kentucky part. And my family, um, my husband and our two young children, were blessed to live in Prestonsburg for 10 years while our children were little. Now, I still own property that is actually on the Johnson-Floyd County line, and in reality, I'm probably, I was trying to figure it out, but I'm probably 1 15th of an owner of this property. It could be more like 1 20th, depending on how some of my great aunts and uncles deeded it. This property was purchased by my great-grandparents, uh, Walker and Eliza Spears, when they had to sell their farm on Johns Creek, their farm and their home on Johns Creek, to the Army Corps of Engineers because it was part of what was flooded to make Dewey Lake at Jenny Wiley State Park, if you've ever been there. Now, as far as I know, my great-grandparents never lived on that particular piece of land. After they sold it, they moved to a house on my Granny Mays property, and, and that's where I remember seeing my great-grandmother. She was still alive when I was little. And in fact, none of us in the family have ever lived on that property. I've seen the land. I can tell you where it is, but I've never spent time there. But here's what I can tell you. I think if we collectively made a decision to sell it, part of me would be crushed. Not because the land itself is needed in my life, but because of what it represents and the legacy that is behind it. This land ties us together and it's too tied to a place that is part of who I am, part of who um, I know that I am as an Appalachian, and it's something I do want to pass on to my children one day. Um, it brings the connection of the past and hope for the future. Now, I could give you more about um, family reunions when I was with all that extended family in Eastern Kentucky or Christmas traditions or our vacations together, all apart who have made me who I am. Now, I was blessed with a very happy, privileged childhood. Uh, I grew up with those family traditions and stories around me. But as we know, not everyone has this in their life um, because elements beyond a child's control sometimes disrupt this. And while we love to be number one in many things in Kentucky, go cats, right? Basketball, maybe not football this year. Maybe. We'll get there. There's one thing that we are number one at in Kentucky that is not a good thing. And we are number one right now in per capita child abuse in the United States. Reports of suspected child abuse and neglect are soaring in Kentucky, reaching 137,000 last year, 
listen to this, nearly doubling from five years ago, largely because of our drug and opioid problem. The number of children in foster care or in out-of-home care, like at the United Methodist Children's Home, the number removed from homes because of neglect or abuse has climbed to an all-time high, reaching nearly 10,000 in 2018. And I've been following the numbers in 2019, and they're not much better. Now, some of those children are in our care, in your care, at the Kentucky United Methodist Homes for Children. For 148 years, since 1871, Methodists in our Commonwealth have been caring for and have invested time, money, energy, prayer, to care for some of our most vulnerable children. We're excited that in 2021, we get to celebrate 150 years. Our mission is to serve Christ by providing for the physical, emotional, educational, and spiritual needs of children and families. While we began as an orphanage after the Civil War, we now serve children from around the state in many different ways. We want all children, you want all children, to know that they are loved by God, that they are a child of God, and they are a person of worth. Now, offering residential care is still what we do at both our new campus in Nicholasville, not too far from here, and our Mary Kendall campus in Owensboro. And on average, the 12 to 18-year-olds who come to live with us in residential care have been in 20 different places, lived in 20 different places before they got to us. Now, something important to know is that while the state gives us a daily stipend for care, it doesn't come close to covering what we need to do to provide enough staff 24 hours, seven days a week. We have an on-site nurse at both of our sites to care for physical needs. In Nicholasville, we have an on-site school provided by Jessamine County. Um, in Owensboro, our kids go to various schools. We have a gym at both sites. Our, some of our kids from Nicholasville get to go to Aldersgate Camp because of your generosity. And we do trips to the zoo in the summer, to the lake, to movies, etc. We want our children to have the best, just like we all want for all the children in our life. But you, I want you to know that you do even more through the Kentucky United Methodist Children's Home. Residential care is often what we're known for best, but we do a lot more. Now, my husband George and I have two young adult children. They're 25 and 21. And while they are mostly independent and self-sufficient, they still need their parents from time to time and not just for our checkbook, right? That helps, I'm sure, but um, they need to call and ask for support on how to navigate the world. We do the same thing, you do the same thing. Um, for youth who have aged out of foster care, when you're 18, you can no longer be in foster care. So for 18-year-olds to 21-year-olds, we provide independent living in apartments um, close, here, close to here in Lexington and also in Owensboro. So they get extra help in budgeting, transportation, case manage management, and counseling. I'm going to share a glory sighting with you about um, one of our students. Um, when Cody came to us at Mary Kendall in Owensboro, she had been abused as a child and had major issues in school. And in fact, when she came to us, she had just been suspended from school. 
Our staff worked with her to give her individual attention and counseling. They found an alternative school for her. She graduated from high school, moved from our residential care to our independent living at Mary Kendall. She worked two jobs, took her ACT, she reached researched colleges and universities, and she became a freshman at the University of Louisville this fall. And um, we were also able to get her in touch with our University of Louisville Wesley Foundation director that you help support to provide care for her while she's there. Barbie, who's our clinical director at Mary Kendall, said, we have every anticipation that she will do well in college. You made a difference in her life. We also provide counseling services in several counties. We would love to keep families together. Um, in, your, in one of your inserts in your bulletin, you'll see a picture of two twins who were with us back when they were three years old. They're 50 in their mid-50s now, back when we took smaller children. They sat in my office. They came to visit us uh, when I was about in my second week in July. Now, these are well-adjusted women. One has her PhD and is a college professor. One is a banker. They have families. They have children. They have raised. And to hear their story of being taken, they were driven to the children's home, and on the way they were told they were going to be left. And to hear their story of being taken away from their home is one I would prefer never to hear again. We would love to keep families together, and that's why we offer counseling services for families. And I want to share one of these stories from community-based services. This is from one of our case managers, and she talks about a young man who had aged out of the whole system. Once you turn 21, you can't get independent living anymore. He had no family support and desperately wanted somebody to call family. He found housing with friends. We assisted and helped him get a full-time job. But the place he was living was just beyond the Fayette County line, so there was no transportation or bus service for him. So he was walking miles a day to get to his work. Um, through some generous uh, givers like you, we were able to get him a bicycle and a lock, and he is able to bike to work now and get there sooner. Um, he was so excited and proud, and you helped make this young man uh, be able to get to work and feel independent, and he continues to actively participate in therapy and case management. That's a success story. That's a way you have given hope. We also do things like adoption services through Mary Kendall Home in Owensboro, and we work with the Department of Juvenile Justice in 107 counties in Kentucky to provide alternative to detention ankle monitoring, and we check on those kids every day. We're trying to keep them out of jail, but they've got some issues, so we have a case manager who calls them every day and visits them every week. You are making a difference to children in 120 counties. You are serving them. You are bringing them hope in the midst of a siege in their lives. You're bringing hope. Now, I want to thank Chad for giving me one of the passages in Jeremiah with hope in it. Thank you. I've, been, I've actually been reading Jeremiah in my daily devotions, and it was not pretty. And then when he said, Jeremiah, I'm like, let me read the passage. He said, you can either preach in our series or do your own thing. And I said, let me read the passage. I'm like, okay, there's hope in this one. I'll take this one. Thank you. But we find Jeremiah, he's a prophet in the midst of despair, and there's a reason. There's stuff going on that's not good. 
His beloved land is under siege by the Babylonians, and he himself is sitting in prison because he has dared be prophetic and talk about the imminent disaster coming from the army. As one commentator I read said, Jeremiah's prophetic mission was to speak forth God's words both of judgment, of promise, and hope. Surely there were times when Jeremiah wondered when, if ever, God would give him a message of hope to preach. Well, finally in Jeremiah, we have this bit of hope. Now, it comes in an interesting way, doesn't it? Jeremiah responds to the king's question about why he is prophesying disaster by buying land. Now, as an Appalachian, as I told you, this makes perfect sense to me. Here is a way of hope, of promise for the future. Now, Jeremiah probably knows he's never going to get to live on the land, but his descendants can. So his cousin appears at the right time after Jeremiah heard from God that there was going to be some land for him to, to buy, and his cousin appears, and he is able to buy that land. And then he goes through this intricate legal process to buy the land. Imagine that in the midst of the army attacking the land of Judah, in the midst of being in jail because he was doing what he thought was right and following God's guidance at a time when many of us might not have felt hope. Jeremiah buys land, saying that there will be a time when my descendants can return. I believe in the covenant that God made with Abraham. I believe in the new covenant that God will give us. Hope in the midst of despair that is what Jeremiah was offering. That's what he was proclaiming. That's what he was actually demonstrating. Hope in the midst of despair is what you are giving, what together Methodists have been giving for 148 years to abandon and neglect and abuse children. We're helping make important memories for them, giving them a community to love them and to cheer them on. We had a girl at our Ashgrove campus It is our Ashgrove School of Desmond County on our campus in Nicholasville. She got to graduate from high school the other day. We were able to give her that graduation and a party. None of her family, her blood family, could be there. But we were there as her family to celebrate with her that graduation. Now, recently, I spent some time in my office working on our financials. Um, as I said, we never get enough from the state to cover our expenses. It is through your generosity, like this Fifth Sunday offering that, we're, that hopefully you're going to give to, that we're able to do it. And residential care especially is just very expensive for all that we need to do. And so I was working on that, getting a little depressed, I have to be honest with you about. And I walked over to the dining hall at our Nicholasville campus. And our youth care workers, those who work directly with our kids, were having their weekly meeting. And I knew that one of the young ladies in care, in our care, had had a hard night. I get those reports when it's particularly bad. And here's what I saw. The staff all talking about her in a healthy way and saying, we love her. And somebody said, you know, I've worked with her on journaling, and we gave her a journal, and when she's getting really upset, you might 
reminder to journal. And another one said, you know, I've noticed that at night it's much harder for her. And they just continued, this whole group of young adults and adults saying, we care for this one child. And have you ever had scripture just hit you full force, scripture you've read your whole life, and then it just hits you sometimes? Well, that's what happened to me, and all I could think of was, Julie, you were worried about money. And you know what Jesus said in Matthew 18? The good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. We were going after the one. That staff was going after the one. You go after the one. The ones that the world has said don't matter anymore, said, let's just give up on them. You don't give up. We don't give up. Jesus wanted us, wanted you to spend time and energy on that young, one young lady, and I was reminded of that in such a strong way. Hope in the midst of despair, from Jeremiah to Jesus. We would love um, for you to hear even more about your Kentucky United Methodist Children's Home. You have a couple of inserts. One um, is the fifth Sunday and tells you a great story, and one is the offering envelope, which I hope you will give to. Another is, if you don't get our mailings and things, um, if you give and put your address on the envelope, we'll make sure you get our mailings. But there's this one too, tells another story. And you can sign up and we will make sure that you get the mailings. Um, if you wanna come volunteer, you're close by, we would love to have you volunteer. Everything from helping us with mailings to uh, mentoring our kids, we're always looking for mentors. Um, fill this out and leave it in your pew, and I will pick it up um, as we leave today. So thank you again for your continued support for Fifth Sunday. And come visit us in Nicholasville, or if you're in Owensboro, Mary Kendall would love to give you a tour. Hope in the midst of despair. I want to end with a story um, of hope. This, this summer... Um, some of our girls from Nicholasville Residential went to the local library for the library's program that they were doing that summer. And after the program, lunch was served. And there was a woman that our, our staff described, best described, they said, we think she was homeless. She, she was obviously in need. And an adult woman, and she went up to the library staff and said, can I have food? And they said, no, we're sorry, the food is only for the children. So here's what your girls did. They put their food together all from their plates and they made a plate for her. Now these are kids who most have known what it is to be hungry and to not have a meal waiting for them. In fact, one of our staff says she was talking to one of our girls who was getting ready to leave and she was possibly going to go back and live with her dad and her fear was, if I go live with my dad, there might not be enough food. Not having enough food is very real for these children. But they saw somebody else in need, and they pulled their food and made a plate for this adult. Now, folks, that's incredible, isn't it? That's incredible because these, these girls knew that when they got back to Nicholasville campus, Mr. Fred and Mr. James would always have food for them. 
that when they needed a snack, it was going to be there because of you, because of your generosity. Um, they knew that they were safe and fed and loved by God and that they could show God's love to someone else. For 148 years, Methodists have cared for the least and the last by providing for the physical, emotional, spiritual, and educational needs of children and families. When all seemed to be nearly in ruin in Jerusalem and the Babylonians were preparing to take over, it was then that Jeremiah chose to do the unlikely thing by land and proclaim hope in the midst of despair, hope for the future. Thank you for doing the same thing. Thank you for bringing hope in the midst of despair. Thank you for proclaiming hope to the future of our kids at the Kentucky United Methodist Homes for Children. Thanks be to God. Amen.